Um, but I'm Kyle from the Bay Area Illini Club. Thank you all for coming. We have people from literally everywhere, including my hometown of Decatur, which is fabulous. Um, right now, we actually have four different media members. Oh, wow. That is about that? quite a change. Okay. So we have Brian Barnhart from WDWS. We have Isaac Trotter and Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer. And we also have Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News. So a little flavor of it all. This is just kind of kind of be them riffing and everything, and then we'll actually have a Q&A portion if anybody has questions afterwards. This will be recorded, so please keep your questions PG for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Um, but other than that, I'm going to turn it over to Jeremy and kind of let him take over. I think I'm waiting on Ed. Am I, am I good? Audio good? Put it in. Maybe. Check, check, check. There we go. All right, how's your mic, Isaac? I'm good. Okay, are you good? Doug? Good. All right. Well, thanks to Kyle, and thanks to everybody for showing up. Um, it's a heck of a trip. For me, it's my first bowl trip. Uh, it's been a while since Illinois has been on one, so uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be out here, and uh, good to see all you Illini fans here uh, celebrating with your team, and we'll see what happens on Monday, but it should be a, a very good game. Uh, I'll just introduce everybody. Kyle just kind of did, but Doug Bouchon, Rivals.com, Isaac and I, at least Isaac for a couple more days for 24-7 sports, and uh, Brian Barnhart uh, got, has the best voice up here, and you <laughs> guys all know him, uh, the voice of the Illini. I, I, I kind of wanted to leave it open to you guys, and we'll chat a little bit uh, about, you know, what our careers are and, and, and covering this team. But, Brian, I, I know the guy to my left grew up saying I want to be the next Brian Barnhart. <laughs> uh, wow, am I really that old? <laughs> I guess so. I, I mean, what's it like, Brian, just being you know, the voice of the Illini? You are the voice of the Illini to, to know that your time here – you know, you've left an indelible mark on, on people and their consumption of Illinois athletics. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I, I can tell you that um, I grew up in Tolono, just south of Champaign, so I used to listen to the games, and, and you have to, and you guys are young enough uh, that all of the games are on TV now. I mean, they were all over the place, but the years ago when I was growing up, this sounds like I'm an old man, but on radio is how you connected to the team. That's how you followed the team, and so Guys like Larry Stewart and Jim Turpin became the eyes and ears of me as a young Illini fan when I couldn't go to the games growing up on a farm south of Champaign. So, to you know, my career, you know, I went to school at Liberty University, uh, which as of the other day was still undefeated in basketball, I think, and, and won a bowl game. But went away there to school and kind of was going to be a history major, and I fell into broadcasting, uh, met a couple of guys who were interested in going that direction. I kind of helped them out. And the next thing you know, I'm like calling my parents saying, um, I'm not doing history anymore. I'm going to do this radio thing. And they're like, you want to do what? Because I was very introverted and very shy, and it was hard for me to uh, talk to people on a regular basis. But I kind of liked radio because I could be behind a glass or behind something, and people couldn't see you, but they could hear you. And I got confidence from it, and it kind of went from there. And then I wound up in minor league baseball and Eventually in Major League Baseball with the uh, Anaheim Angels, did their games out here on the coast for a couple of years. Uh, then went back home, and Jim Turpin retired, and as it turned out, a year or two later, I took over the games, and here it is, whatever, 18 years later, doing the games. But it, it, uh, people ask me, what's it like doing the games like you just did? But I'm a fan, too. Yeah. I grew up a fan. This is my team, and so I could do the Anaheim Angels, but I didn't grow up there. I mean, I knew about the team, and I could learn about them. But for me, Illinois is personal yeah. because I was a fan. 
and now here it is doing the games too on top of that. I'm sure you get this all the time. Do you have a favorite call that you've ever made of yours? <laughs> well, favorite call I would have to think about. Um, I would say probably the Darren Williams uh, three ball to tie the game against Arizona with what was at stake, the Elite Eight game in Chicago, the noise, the crowd. There are still sensations that I think about. Uh, when I go back and listen to it, I still can feel the chill uh, in, the, in the arena. It was so cold, and it was so loud, and it was such a joy to call that game. That is probably my number one moment. And I would say in that game, the Darren Williams shot. Uh, I want to ask you, too, about this football season. You had some thrilling moments. James McCord, obviously, with the, the win over Wisconsin. And, and then Eastern, or the Michigan State game was just phenomenal, the way that game ended. Do you have in your mind what you want to say before that, or do you just say whatever comes to mind? Usually what you try to do uh, in those moments, I, n- I never really script anything. Yep. I've heard guys do that, and I know when they're doing it. It's like, okay, <laughs> don't do that. It's a little cute. Don't script it. It's a little cutesy. Uh, but I think the big thing is to get the facts right, and then you kind of let the emotion go with it. Uh, and in the Wisconsin game with the last-minute kick, you know, everything is set up. How far is the kick? Which hash mark is it on? You know, is it good? And, and you know, sitting in the press box, you guys that cover the team, you can't really tell from the side if a field goal is good or not. you got to wait for the official. <laughs> right. And so uh, Michael Martin, who's here today, was under, our sideline guy, was under the field goal post. And if you listen to the replay, is real close. He goes, it's good. <laughs> and, but then he, I couldn't depend on that. I had to wait for the officials to call it. Yeah. And you just kind of let your emotions go with it. And moments like that are, you know, when you, when you start getting texts from people all over the country uh, because they heard it on ESPN or they saw it replayed or whatever, uh, you know, my first thing is, okay, did I get it right? <laughs> you know, the emotion will take over itself. Right. And the moments like that. And then the Michigan State game was just, um, you knew they, they had shown an ability to come back against Michigan, for instance. But this was on the road, and they were so far down, and the way they came back. And I think Martin O'Donnell was just about to jump out of the booth <laughs> uh, during the course of that game because of the emotion. And you know this, being around former players, they, oh, yeah. they are invested emotionally. Even so, more of me as just a fan because they played the game. Yeah, you know? uh, Doug Bouchon came into the media a different kind of way, right? Like I, I went to school and studied it. I know Isaac went to school and studied, it and Brian did too. Um, Doug, you went to the military, which thank you for your service. But how did you end up in this media industry? Well, you know, before I went to the military, I went to college. Yeah. Ma- majored in journalism at SIU Carbondale, and and uh, I just kind of fell into it. You know, when I got out of the army, I was looking for a job the last couple of years, and. Um, I knew Brad Sturdy. Everybody know Brad Sturdy, our basketball guy, right? Br- Brad's one of the best guys in the business, covers basketball. And I got to know him a little bit, and he knew that I was uh, interested in covering the Illini. And, and we became friends, and he kind of hired me on to do recruiting. And then when the old publisher uh, um, walked away from the job, we interviewed for the job and yeah. just kind of fell into it. And it's been great. It's been almost a decade now that we've been covering Illinois. And uh, Jeremy used to be the columnist yeah. for us when I first took over and did a wonderful job as a columnist writing about Illinois. And, and uh, of course, when the Scout Network at the time was looking for a publisher, they reached out to Jeremy, one, one of the most hardest working guys in the business, and hired him. And, and they became 247. But that, that's kind of how I fell into it. And uh, it's been a great ride. It's a wonderful second career and to be able to come out here to the Bay Area and spend some time in the Bay Area. Wow, what a, what a, a great uh, job that I have. And, you know, it, it, it's just a, a, a pleasure to cover the team that I grew up rooting for. My family was Illinois fans. My older brother, who's a, a, a congressman from the state of uh, Indiana, he, 
He's a graduate from the University of Illinois uh, back in the 80s. And, uh, and we, we've been fans all of our life. And to cover the team that you, you grew up rooting for is, is really special. Uh, well, Doug, you and I have not covered a great decade of Illinois athletics, let's be honest. Uh, what's this been like for you to, to cover this program? And where, where do you think they are right now, basketball and football? Yeah, I think they're on the rise. You know, I think, uh, um, yeah, uh, some of the areas that we covered was pretty rough. And uh, for the, both, of, both of our sites are, are fan sites, yeah. right? So you, you, it's hard to know how to report on the team uh, because, because – Fans don't want to get on a fan side and read a bunch of negative stuff, and, and you know you don't you don't want to put a positive spin on something uh, and when, when it's not positive and put lipstick on a pig, you know. But uh, but uh, that's the kind of sites that we have, and and uh, some of those areas that we went through, some of the coaching firings and the and the, the scandal stuff, you know. I know this is a good time out here. We don't want to bring that stuff up so much, but uh, it's been it's been a crazy ride and. Uh, hopefully they're on the rise. I think uh, Brett Underwood's a good basketball coach. I do. You know, I, I, they, they've had some hiccups early in the season, but uh, I think he proved himself at Stephen F. Austin and at Oklahoma State that he can turn things around. And, and uh, they're off to a little bit of a slow start, but I think they can pick it up in the Big Ten season. Uh, Isaac Trotter, young guy in this industry, I always talk about uh, his youthful enthusiasm with me, old man, 32, with two kids. Um, but he, he's, you're waiting for a new job in Minnesota, but you've been on this beat and learned a lot the last couple of years. What's this been like for you covering Illinois the last couple of years? You know, it's crazy because, like, when I was little, like, I, I, I remember listening to Brian. And, you know, that Illinois-Arizona game, you know, we had that TV on watching that game on CBS. But in the background, we had Brian Barnhart on with the play-by-play because, no offense to those guys who were doing the game, Jay Billis and whatever, they just weren't Brian Barnhart, right? And that's, that's who you listen to. So it's just so cool seeing how my life has kind of gone, and now I was co- I'm covering the team that I grew up rooting for. D. Brown jerseys were in my room and everything. So it's, it's just really cool to be here and be a part of this. And, yeah, I'm taking a new job up in Minnesota, and I'll cover the Vikings and the Timberwolves. But to have this be, like, the last thing that I cover and get to come out here is, is just so, so cool. And it kind of caps off what's kind of been a special football season it's hard yeah. to it's hard to say okay you only won six games you're six and six how's that a special year well what it's been like over the last few years and knowing this team and knowing the stories knowing the bobby roundtree story knowing how all of these guys have fought back knowing when you're two and four and you lose to eastern michigan to do what this team did that's a special season and, and even though the last two losses to iowa and northwestern happened i don't think that should take away from what this team accomplished this year and i'm happy that they get to enjoy an, an atmosphere like this and a game like they'll get to play in on monday yeah i, I want to have people to weigh in on uh, and ask us some questions here in a little bit what you guys want to talk about but brian and doug i'll ask you that what, what stands out about this season how legit do you think this is of a breakthrough for lovey smith well I, it's interesting because people at the beginning of the year would say hey what do you think they're going to be and i said well if they can be even six and six that would be, and get to a bowl, that would be an accomplishment. Well, then you get in the middle of it and you start getting greedy. You know, you're up two touchdowns on Nebraska. Well, you should win that game. You shouldn't lose to Eastern Michigan, uh, obviously. And yet, the road they took to get to 6-6 six and six was, nobody saw that coming. That was special. You know, that yeah. made it special. And then when you got to 6-4, and four, you're thinking, well, let's win the last two. Let's go eight. <laughs> let's, let's go to Florida. Let's whatever. So I think it wound up, and I, I told people this on the air when they, when they played Northwestern, the way they finished, I said, as disappointed as they were with that finish, I said, you get out to the bowl game and the preparation and all that goes into it, people aren't going to remember the game. They're going to remember the season as a whole, the Wisconsin game, the Michigan State right. game. I've been doing interviews on WLS in Chicago and you know, over in Danville and you know, this morning even just talking about that. And those are the games that everybody brings up 
are those two games, and that's what makes them special, I think, is how they got there. But you could see this coming. You guys cover the team all the time. But until you win a game like Wisconsin, it's just words coming from us saying, yeah, I think they're better. But until you win a game like right. that, that actually proves it in people's mind that, yes, they are better. Doug, what, how sustainable is this? What can this lead to in the future? Because, I mean, bowl game, bowl win, I don't know how much it means other than feeling good going into an offseason. I don't know if that means you're going to be a 10-win team as opposed to a, a 6-win team next year. But how, what has Lovey Smith built here? How can it sustain itself? Well, you know, at Rivals, we cover just about everything from the perspective of recruiting, yep. right? So when, when they became bowl eligible with the win, it was over Michigan State, right? So after that win... The kids that we talked to really started to have a completely different attitude about Illinois. They started looking at them, especially kids, you know, in, in the St. Louis area, around the Midwest, some of the Florida. Texas. And, yeah, Florida. They did a great job in Florida. So it makes a huge difference in recruiting. You, you think about a bowl like the Red Box Bowl. No, they're not playing, you know, they're not playing Clemson today. Um, but uh, but it, it still makes a difference. The kids that they talk to, they want to play in a bowl game, they want to have a winning program, have a winning season, and, and uh, you know, it makes a big difference. And, you know, he was talking about the, the Wisconsin game as a, you know, a big game. I would talk about the Michigan game because you and I were talking in, in the press box. Is this it? At halftime of the Michigan game, Jeremy, Jeremy were, were, were saying, what happens if this ends up 60 to nothing? You know, cause, and it's a downward, downward spiral at that point. And somehow, some way at halftime in the locker room, somebody – uh, flipped a switch at the halftime of the Michigan game, and it was a completely different team from then on. I think they started making plays on defense and turning the ball over, and Stanley Green came back and made a big difference in the defense. And then uh, the Wisconsin game really took me back to the 80s. Uh, Brian, you probably remember uh, Mike Bass's kick up yep. in Madison to win that game, and very similar ending to the Wisconsin game this year and, and really his, an historic kind of win for him. Yeah, so Isaac, you've seen some of the talent that's come in. First year you covered the team didn't look like a Big Ten team. It's starting to look like a Big Ten team, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that first training camp. It was Jeff George Jr., Chase Crouch, Cam Thomas, and I think we had, what, eight or nine interceptions a day <laughs> at training camp, and we're like, oh, boy, this is going to get really ugly. Well, now as you look forward to next year, you're losing some key seniors and Dre Brown and, and Reggie Corbin, Daley Harding. Those guys are not going to be easy to replace. But overall, you have eight starters coming back on your offense next year, including your starting quarterback, four offensive linemen. That's 125 combined starts there from your offensive line that's coming back next year. You have all three wide receivers and more depth coming in. You have a recruiting class that you like. You're starting to see this team close the gap. You know, before it was like, okay, are they better than Rutgers? Are they out of the Big Ten cellar? Illinois is definitely out of that. Now you're starting to see them close the gap and become one of the upper echelon, maybe a middle-of-the-pack team. Illinois and Iowa this year were very comparable. And you saw what Iowa did yesterday to a a solid USC team that's loaded with four or five-star recruits. Illinois was right in that game the entire game. And I think next year you can see a team with the schedule that lines up and all these starters coming back. I mean, Lovey Smith said it. Next year is this, this special, special year. And if they have everything goes right and they can have some guys stay healthy and Braden Peters takes that next step, there's no reason why Illinois can't win eight or nine games next year. They have the schedule. They have all the guys coming back to do that. We have a mic up here. If you guys want to come up and ask questions, you're for free to do so uh, so we can talk about things that you guys want to talk about. Uh, but, Brian, we're, we're, after that bragging rights basketball game, the fan base responded like the season's over, right? <laughs> I was like, hey, haven't we done this before? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we just do this in October of football? <laughs> um, it's not, it's, it has not been a good start for them or what we expected so far, but it's looked like a team that hasn't won consistently, right? No. That looks like, hey, they can beat Michigan. They can beat 
can beat Maryland. They just didn't finish it. Um, they can play really well against Old Dominion, but then they can get beat by a probably not NCAA tournament team, Missouri. That's playing like a young team that just hasn't consistently won yet. Yeah, and it's the culture of winning. I mean, yeah. early in my career, you know, the, the, with the Bill Self teams when I started and then on with the early Bruce Weber years, those teams internally expected to win games. And in the last few years, we just haven't had the guys that are experienced enough to know how to finish a game or how to win a game at a big level. You might pull an upset here and there. And so they're still kind of learning that. But I, I think Brad has the guys that he wants in place, especially if he gets more of these guys to continue to come in, the Curbellos and Millers and so forth, that you know will eventually be here, you would hope. But I don't know. For me, the Missouri game was was – extremely disappointing but it's like Missouri and Deion Thomas picked up on this early in the game it's like I just think they wanted more it was like more personal for them for Pickett and for Jeremiah Tillman and you guys cover all the recruiting stuff closer than I do but I mean all the the personality that went into that it was almost for them a game they wanted to win more and our guys were like well let's go out and we're the prettier team let's let's win it and they didn't so I think it'd be easy to read too much into it I think it was more the matchup and the team at the time but the one thing I think that they've got to figure out they have all the pieces to be a really good team can they get all of those guys together to click at the same point and they're still kind of going through that I think my big question is who's the leader that's the other who's the player leader and Brad I guess was saying it today I was reading Derek this morning and um, you know he even said I have to lead this team and that that's that's a bit of a concern when you know, you have a couple lead guards that I think are capable of it, but it feels like they're both, they're all kind of sitting there like, okay, who's, who's going to take it? Is it, is it no. me? Should I, Trent Frazier, should he be the guy? Uh, I think they want it to be Io, but I, I just haven't seen it yet from him. Doug, Isaac, what, what do you guys think? Who, who needs to be the leader of that team, or am I overplaying that? No, I, I think Trent Frazier should be that leader of this team. You're, you're talking about a junior, a guy who's played a lot of ball, and it feels like the Trent Frazier that you've seen this year on the court is so different than the one you saw as a freshman, where he wasn't scared of anybody, and in the Bragg and Wright's game his freshman year, he drops 25, 26 points, shoots threes all over the place over Jeremiah Tillman. It has no fear. And this year in the Bragg and Wright's game, you see a guy who was tentative to shoot and, and not understanding what he needs to be. So I think right now, if you, if you see that Io's not doing it, if you see Andres Feliz has kind of had a good start but has kind of cooled off a little bit, Trent Frazier has to understand how important this season is and how important he is to this team and take over and be that guy. Because he can be that guy, and Illinois has the pieces around him that can supplement his leadership. Yeah, Doug, it's like as good as Kofi Coburn is, you would have expected this team to be 11-1 and or something like that because he's, he's exceeded every expectation. And, boy, is he fun to watch. But what do you think this team needs to do to get on the right path? Well, you know, just so we're not all agreeing on everything up here, I, you know, I, I would disagree a little bit with the Trent Fraser as leader of the team. Yeah. Uh, do, does he need to stop deferring? Yes. He needs to be aggressive on offense and look for his shot. And I think with his, um, with his size, he's only about six foot, right? Yeah. He, he has a little bit of trouble getting his shot off against uh, good defense and longer guards, so maybe uh, run some plays for him. But uh, as an emotional leader, good, good basketball teams are always characterized by – uh, the best player is the leader on yeah. the team. That, you know, historically, you look at those great teams, and that's how it's been. And I think Io DeSumo is the best player on the basketball team. 
so I would assume it needs to be. Uh, Can I disagree? He, he needs. I think it's Kofi. It's Kofi. Well, <laughs> you're probably. You're, I, I think it's Kofi at this point, but I, I agree. It's got to be a guard. Yeah, uh, it's and, be a guard. and you know, and I, you're probably right about Kofi, but uh, I think it doesn't have to be Io, and I, you know, and I think Brett Underwood's got to cultivate him a little bit more, take him aside, and talk to him about the leadership qualities that he needs to have, and how to share the basketball, and how to how to get guys pumped up for games, and and uh, that was the most disappointing thing. We wrote about it. You guys wrote about it. The Missouri game was there was more fight in Missouri than there was in Illinois. And going into it, the bragging rights game, historically, you know, uh, it's a game that's a special for the fans, special for the team. And, and for Coach Underwood to approach it just like any other game, was yeah. we were a little bit miffed by that. We didn't understand where he's coming from because, uh, you know, it's a game that uh, – and, and from an NCAA tournament standpoint, it's a huge game. Yeah. You know, it, it could turn out to be a, a bad loss at the end of the year. It could be – or not. But, but – uh, um, yeah, I think Iowa Desumu needs to be more more of the leader of the basketball team, especially since he's running the point so much. Yeah. Uh, we got a bowl game in two days. Yeah. Uh, Cal, what do you think of this matchup, Brian? Uh, Justin Wilcox, former Wisconsin defense coordinator. He's been everywhere uh, yeah. as a defense coordinator. He runs a 3-4 defense, a little bit different than Lovey, uh, but uh, both those guys were talking about how they were, both had mutual admiration for each other. But two defensive teams, and it's weird after the last couple of years that we're calling <laughs> Illinois a defensive team, yeah. uh, but they certainly have gone into that with Lovey Ball. This yeah, time. he's an impressive guy. I don't I mean, I remember him being at Wisconsin, yeah. but uh, obviously being a, a coordinator, you don't get to know them as well as you do some of the, the head coaches, but he comes across really well. Of course, he's got a Hall of Fame dad, you know, that played in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, the two teams, I mean, they seem to match up really well. I mean, statistically on paper, I think the stat I've, I've used a couple of times on different interviews is Cal has allowed 30 touchdowns, uh, 15 passing, 15 rushing. They've scored 30 touchdowns, 15 each. And Illinois' numbers are almost identical off by one in one of those categories. Yeah. So when you look at the scores of the games, how many points a game they allow, uh, they play a lot of 24-17 type games. Uh, so and and their I guess their secondary is known as the takers. They are very experienced in the secondary, so they emphasize turnovers. Illinois does, of course, across the board. So I you know I think on paper, it looks pretty even to me. Now you know I think it helps to have Brandon Peters back. I think that makes a difference to have him back. And you know, uh, I like I like the matchup. I know Cal's I guess a slight favorite, yeah. and they probably have more fans in general just because it's closer. But uh, I think Illinois has got just as good a chance as Cal does to win the game. I think it's pretty even. Isaac Trotter showed up in the hotel room this morning, turning on some Cal film. What do yeah. you think of Cal? What do you think of the matchup? <laughs> I, I'm a nerd about certain <laughs> things like that. I, it was one of those things, though, that as I, the more I watched, the more I was happy that Illinois was playing a, this Cal team compared to, like, a Washington State because the Washington State is just a, a, an air raid type of offense. They're getting up and down the field really quickly. This Cal team is so similar to Illinois, and you, you kind of touched on it with how evenly matched up they are and I think Illinois could have a chance because Cal's best safety is out and when he's out that that caused a lot of trouble for Cal's defense they had two games when he was out this year and they gave up two of their worst passing defensive performances so I think Illinois should have a chance it really will come down to again it's been like this all year but if Illinois takes the ball away two or three times Illinois wins the game, and that's kind of how it's been all season long. If Brandon Peters is healthy, if Josh Amatabebe is back out on, on the outside, that changes how the Illinois offense looks. And, and this Cal team is beatable, but Illinois will have to go out and beat them because this team is obviously a, a one that's going to compete really, really hard. 
And for everybody that's asking about injuries, because we get asked about it a lot, we did ask Lovey. Uh, Lovey uh, did say Brandon Peters is ready to go. Right. Uh, Bebe, we did not hear. Uh, but uh, I, I have a feeling he's got a chance to play. Jake Hansen doesn't sound all that promising, and Doug Kramer will be out for this game. But uh, Lovey doesn't like to share injury no. details with us. With, with we learned, uh, as we've covered uh, <laughs> Coach Smith over the years, you kind of have to read between the lines, basically, because he won't say one way or the other. Right. Which is, figure, done, which is right? easier said than done. Which is easier said than done. But there is kind of an art to it. So, yeah. uh, Doug, what does this game mean? Like, does this have a lot of meaning, whether they win or lose this game? It has some meaning. Yeah. I don't know about a lot of meaning, but it, right. has, it has some meaning because you finish with a winning record, right? You're 7-6 and six if you win the game. Haven't done that since 2011. Haven't won the last game of the season since 2011. That's right. And the last bowl game they won, they won with an interim head coach. So, right. if, Is that right? Yeah. yeah uh, Vic, so, uh, Vic Koenig. Yeah, sure. It means something, you know, to come out here and, and have a good showing. And, uh, we were talking about how similar teams they are. and Actually, they both took similar paths, too, if you really look at the yeah. path that they streaky, took. Yeah. Streak, streaky. Both had significant injuries to the quarterback which may have cost him a win or two and I think it did cost Illinois probably against Northwestern not to yeah. have not to have their starting quarterback that was really the biggest thing in the game and and the, the starting quarterback for Cal when he when he was out with an injury they, they lost you know they lost the game that he got injured in and then lost three straight after that and so and they also have both teams have two great middle linebackers inside linebackers uh, Evan uh, Weaver yeah right for Cal is an all-american AP first team all-american leads the country in tackles Delay Harding for Illinois is all Big Ten middle linebackers. So really similar teams in, uh, in uh, personnel and talent and, and how they got here. Yeah. Kyle, you got a question, man. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with the first question. So as an Illini fan, I clearly want to continually think about the next thing, right? Yeah. Always eight, nine wins, just like was <laughs> Isaac was saying a little bit earlier. But what is a realistic expectation that I should have as an Illini fan for my football team going forward? Is it six wins a year? Is it seven wins a year? What actually like, should I expect as an Illini fan? Because I love coming to bowl games, and I would hope that that's the expectation, but I don't know what's realistic um, for this team. So, Isaac, with this one. Yeah, I, I think that there is no reason why Illinois shouldn't be a, a perennial bowl team, right? It's not that hard to win six college football games a year. You have three non-conference, and you win, find a way to get to three Big Ten wins, right? So I think that Illinois should be a constant bowl team. But you got to have some of those seasons, maybe one every four or five years, where you compete for a Big Ten West crown. And there's a chance in this Big Ten West where you could possibly do it. Look at what Minnesota did this year and what Illinois did to them just a pre the year before. That's very similar paths. So I, I don't think it's – I just think sometimes when we have our expectations for Illinois football, after years and years of losing, it, it, we get into that mindset. And that shouldn't be the mindset because you have the talent, you have the base in Chicago, you have the base in St. Louis and Indianapolis that you should be able to get into – where you can get talent and you can be able to win six games a year and you should be able to go compete for a Big Ten West crown once every five or six years. Well, I, don't, I don't think uh, anybody expects, you know, be Ohio State or be Michigan or even Penn State. Just be Iowa. Michigan just get, State. Michigan State. Yeah. Just win. And I, I can tell you growing up that I think Illinois has great football tradition, you know, with the Butkus and Grange and, the, you know, the Rose Bowls they've won and so forth. But it's been too much of the way up and the way down. And people, uh, during the Makovic years, it was very consistent. You won seven, eight, nine games. You were in bowl games. You would contend, as Isaac said, for a Big Ten title. And I think for Illini fans, that's just be the goal. Just win the West once in a while. Be competitive. Win seven, eight, nine, ten games. Just stop this where you drop from the Rose Bowl down to two wins. That's what I think people right. well, are leveling off. And here's the thing. The Big Ten is really difficult. 
right? And, yeah. and it's only getting better with all the coaches that have been hired, whether it's Jeff Brom, and I know you don't like him, but P.J. Fleck is a heck of a coach, right? I might not like his personality, but he wins football games wherever he goes. Uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska, I think they're going to get better. But the question before the season was, who are you better than? Now you have to consistently do it. That's the next step. And right. as you said, Brian, Illinois football has had some good years, a few of them in this millennium. Yeah. But it went right downhill right after back that. Down so again. Yeah. Knowing how to win and con- continuing to win is the hardest part yeah. uh, of building a program. And for me, Doug, like line play in the Big Ten is so important. And I, I like what they're building on the defensive line, at least long term. I like what they have offensive line short term but to me that that's why iowa is good every year is because you know the line of scrimmage you're going to win most of the time well you're reading my mind so great minds think <laughs> great minds think alike i think when you when i think at the point where you really see the program is turned around is when you see illinois start landing linemen from chicago land yeah. yeah that that's really when you know uh when you can say you, you are iowa you are you're wisconsin because if you look at those programs that win consistently they, they lock up their home state. And I think it, Illinois hasn't done a great job over the years recruiting the state of Illinois, especially, you know, offensive linemen. It's really a lot of good ones that come out of Chicagoland. Yeah. Uh, there's another one now, David David Coffin, yeah. yep. a 2021 kid who's recruited by everybody, already has Alabama and Ohio State. And those are the kind of guys that you have to start landing at Illinois if you're really going to win consistently. And, and uh, you can go to Texas and get skill guys. You can go to Florida and get skill guys because there's a lot of them down there. There's a, a ton, lot of, and a lot of people do. Uh, they do, really and, they, and the, yeah. there's a ton of you know even the three-star kids down there. You know the second-tier kids out of those two states are, are good, and and Illinois has always been able to, to kind of do that and get skill position players. But uh, when they start landing those big linemen out of the uh, out of the Catholic League in Chicago yeah. and places like that, that's when they can really turn the corner. And I'm, I'm glad he brought this up because. People talk about in-state recruiting, and yeah. you know I don't think it's the quantity of guys that you necessarily get out of there, but you got to get more of the quality guys out of there. I mean, look at the team now. Kendrick Green is a monster part of this team. Ricky Smalling goes down with an injury. I think that was a big loss for this team. So I, I do think in-state recruiting matters. It's not necessarily, hey, you got to land eight guys from the state, but Iowa comes in here and lands five of the top 25. I think Illinois should be doing that consistently. Well, and Minnesota came in last year in yeah. the class of 2019 and took four of your top ten in-state targets. So it is important to get those guys. I think there was a little bit of a, a, a ruckus about this early signing period where Illinois didn't sign anybody from their in-state. But if you're able to get Jaden Thompson on board and you're able to get a couple of these others, then that can kind of soothe that over a little bit, and then you can attack it again in the f- future. But if you talk about building stability, that's why this whole Lovey Smith program, that's why Josh Whitman's patience was so key to this, because you needed to have patience if you want to build stability. We talk about offensive line recruiting, how you need to nail those down. I think you like what you've done on the opposite side of the ball, though, defensive line-wise. Austin Clark has crushed it with the, with this recruiting class. they got five defensive linemen that you really like for the future. So I think defensive line-wise, you're starting to build that long-term depth where you can always have a top of the, you know, maybe not top of the Big Ten, but a, a middle-tier Big Ten defensive line for the years to come, and that can keep you relevant defensively in a hurry. Well, uh, the, guy, the, guy, the guy who taught me how to do this job, uh, Jeff, who was the publisher before me, he always said, you know, his go-to thing was you can't win in the Big Ten without an NFL defensive tackle. Right. Right. And, and you look back at Illinois teams, and it's, that's the kind of been the way it's been, right? So, uh, yeah, you have to get those guys that can – the SEC type of defensive lineman that you see on the big screen up here today, the guys that can move, the guys that can sack the quarterback, and uh, those are the kinds of guys that got to start landing out of St. Louis. There's some really good ones out of, out of there. So. so going into next year, what's your biggest reason that Illinois will take a step forward and your biggest concern? Right. Well, I think the biggest reason why I think is because of the based on the schedule early. Yeah. I mean, they've got a bunch of games in a row they can 
they can build on. A 5-1 and one start is not that ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, so they're already one away from bowl eligibility right there. So I would think the, um, the biggest concern is, you know, on the defensive line, replacing these guys that they're going to lose, you know, replacing a Dele Harding. And, of course, Dele was just kind of a backup that rose to the top of the class, so you've got to find somebody else like that. Uh, and just continue to use the portal to your advantage. Find the Brandon Peters, find the Bebe, guys that can help you. Uh, and then, you know, come across a Donnie Navarro again that nobody saw coming. Those are the kind of things that have to happen in Illinois, I think, on a consistent basis. So as long as you can build on the recruits that you guys are talking about, use the portal correctly and fill in some of these gaps, I think you can make it work. My concern is if you don't do it, one or right. two of those, then you're going to slide back again and you're going to be out of bowl contention. But I think the schedule gives you every reason to be optimistic about next year. Yeah, I, I think defensive line is my biggest concern. Jamal Milan, you're talking about, I don't know if he's a, a long-term NFL guy, but I think he's really good. Um, Tymir Oliver, you lose, and you didn't have a sack over the last three games. Right? Pass rush has, has really struggled. So I agree that that's my uh, biggest concern. Doug, do you think offensively, this group takes a step forward with just health next it, year. If everyone stays healthy, this, this is an offense. You, you know, you don't realize until you start writing down the names, right, and start looking at the roster, but uh, it's an offense. If everyone stays healthy, they can score a lot of points. You know, the wide receiver core with uh, uh, Bebe and uh, uh, Travion, if he's healthy, and and, uh, and Ricky Smalling, if he's healthy, and the running back core is good. They're bringing in, they're bringing in Reggie Love, and if you don't follow recruiting, Reggie Love is a name to remember because he was recruited by everybody. Penn State offer, I think, was his probably uh, biggest one other than Illinois, but a whole bunch of offers and really special kid out of St. Louis. I think he's going to play right away next year. You know, he's going to step in and, and be a, a really good back for him. Offense can put up a lot of points, and the questions are on defense. Brian talked about some of the guys are missing, and you talked about Milan, but don't forget about Stanley Green because St- Stanley Green actually, to me, is nearly the MVP of the defense because he sets the tone for the defense with his – that aggressive style of play, the way he comes up from the secondary and, and, and uh, puts some big hits on and really it sets the tone for him and uh, made a huge difference when he came back from injury. Yeah, and I think another thing is can Illinois get as many takeaways again next year? Yeah. So the turnover fairy, the fumble fairy that we always talk about, they got pretty lucky with some of those this year. It's kind of like the Bears last year, right, a little so this bit. year. And also, winning's hard. And, and if Illinois hasn't done it and this program hasn't done it for a long time, so I think you can talk about the schedule next year, and, and it is shaping up where you can't have a really good year. But winning is hard, and those takeaways were so huge. I mean, think about what Illinois doesn't beat Wisconsin without right. those two late takeaways, the Tony Adams interception, the, the, the forced fumble by right. Jake Hansen was huge. Illinois doesn't win against Michigan State without the pick six by Sidney Brown and another fumble that they had late. So I, I just think that there's multiple things here. I think the, the roster looks good. The roster is a, a very solid product but winning's hard and take if those takeaways don't come and you yeah. you're only get maybe you only get 16 takeaways next year instead of 25 that difference in nine takeaways is huge yep. it's really really huge well they took the first step in getting to consistent winner with making a bowl game this year and we're here in san francisco enjoying it because of it yeah. so a successful season for illinois football and could be a little bit more successful and a little sweeter if they get the uh, red box bowl victory on monday uh, appreciate your guys' time kyle thanks for having us out here hopefully we provided yeah. a little bit of insight uh, but appreciate you guys have fun at the game on monday assuming you are and don't have too much fun the next couple of days here in san fran appreciate you guys okay.